Awesome. Well, we are in the middle of our vision series. We've been looking at uh, the vision that we've set for 2019. It's on the back wall over there. And we've been looking through all of these points that we really want to work on. Things that um, we, we value and we care about, but also that we need to, to try and stretch ourselves in. And today we are looking at generations led by the Spirit. Now, as I was thinking about generations, something that came to mind is... Every so often, my mum calls up and she asks for technical advice. So the computer is doing something and she calls up or she FaceTimes and she's like, no, the computer is doing something. And she FaceTimes the screen and so I'm trying to like peer at this little uh, box on my phone going, what's wrong? And um, normally it gets to the point where... where um, we have got some of the way of fixing the problem, but we just get to the point where we're like, I've had enough. And we just turn it off and we've, we've given up. I'm sure that some of the young people here have this situation, right? You're trying to fix something because your parents or maybe your grandparents are having some technical difficulties. And at first, I found that uh, at first I was like, well, maybe... Um, I just get a bit frustrated in this moment, or a bit like, it is a little humorous, but a little just... <clears throat> until it happened to me. And my computer started having issues in church one day, and I didn't know what to do. I tried going, Satan, not today, and it just wasn't working. But the computer just was just arguing with me, and I had to call someone younger than me to help I was thinking, oh my goodness, am I that great yet? But when this happened... It also showed me something else. That when I talked to my mum about this, she said, when she was my age, she was the one that was training people in her workplace. She worked at CSIRO and she was training people to use the DOS computers. And she was the one that was talking to these old people going... <sighs> and so, generations, right? It's, uh, it's a thing. And the funny thing was, the moment we mentioned generations... There are so many expectations. The moment we mention generations, there is uh, so many things that are going on. I think there's three problems. The first is generational misunderstanding. There's situations where um, people are going, uh, old, old peop- older people are going, young people these days. And equally as significant, young people are going, why can't these old people just... And there's this misunderstanding. There's this, there's this uh, language barrier almost. There's this tension between different questions and different understandings. On the other side, the next problem is there's a relevance issue. There's gel- re- relevate, uh, generational misunderstanding, generational relevance. See, the, the church, a lot of you who have found yourselves in church this morning, some of you will have grown up in church and the church trained you with answers to, to the things in life but they're not the same answers to the, the questions that people are asking today. And so there's this relevance question, which directly leads to the third problem, which is generational crisis, which is right now, more than any time in the last century, young people are disengaging from church. Uh, for, for, for the most, in the most significant way this century, we have a youth retention problem. Generation Z or Gen Z, which are people born after 1997, we'll look at generations in just a second. But a study found recently that 11% of young people who grew up in church are sticking around. 11%! 
That means that 89% of Generation Z people are disengaging from church. Now, I don't know about you, but that should be going ding, 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 alarm bells. Because, really, this is a crisis. We have a generational misunderstanding, which really has led to a generational relevance issue, which has directly led to, right now, the church is in a generational crisis. And uh, in order to, for us to try and get our heads around this, I want us to try and think about three things. One is... Uh, the context of this issue, the, the uh, community solution to this issue, and the culture question out of this issue. Now, uh, as we start, would you join with me and then we pray as uh, I don't have anything unless God speaks through this. Father, as we're looking at, at uh, what you're calling us to as a church, would you speak to us right now? Would you soften our hearts and open our ears? Would you give me words? Because I don't have anything unless you speak. Would you help us to hear from you this morning in Jesus' name? Amen. I don't know when you're born, and I'm not going to ask, because that would be slightly embarrassing. Um, For me, at least, because I realise the young people around me think that I am much older than I am, but that is okay. We have, uh, roughly for the first time in church history, and you can make it disappear, I don't know. Um, for the first time, really, in recent church history, we have five generations coexisting at the same time in church, which uh, longer life expectancy and all the advances in technology, and roughly we have five generations. The first one uh, are usually called the builders. They are those born before... 1945, and uh, maybe there's some of, of you who are builders here, and builders grew up in a time where uh, they were born in the shadow of both World War II and the Great Depression. Probably your parents went through the Great Depression, and you uh, grew up having to make do with things, to be practical, to, to just uh, make it happen, make it work, to survive. There was a lot of change going on, but really the big issue is survival, and a question also of what ought to be done, because this generation is also called the traditionalists, because this was the last of a string of generations that grew up with a sense of what you uh, must do, what you had to do, the sense of moral responsibility. The builders uh, were um, going through an incredible amount of, of uh, real survival issues. But in the church at the same time, during this era, there was a culture of uh, right doctrine, believing the right thing. So you look at, um, at, at, at trends in church history and you look at what the content was coming out of this time and there was this idea that if you believed right, that was what was important. Truth was important. And so the denomination that you belong to was really significant because that was your beliefs. But then next after this comes the baby boomer generations. I imagine we have a few baby boomers here. They're born from 1946 through to 1965. And the baby boomers, after World War II, experienced this rapid change in culture with radical freedoms. There was this new sense of uh, freedom from the traditions of the past and the value or the the, um, purpose of life changed from what ought to be done into what makes me happy. 
I change from the things that I have to do or that uh, I should do. Now, for the, the builders that are here, I imagine many of you grew up in Sunday school and going to church because that was what was done. But then the builders, uh, the boomers generation comes along and goes, actually, we're free to do whatever we want. And so they start reimagining themselves and there's this new freedom. And so spiritually, this led to a number of baby boomers leaving the church and then replaced theology with psychology. How can I solve the problems myself? For those in church, they were transformed by Billy Graham and this change in theology away from just what I believe into relationship. Billy Graham's crusades were so powerful because he was saying, instead of just belief, I need to have a relationship with God. Do I know God? Am I close to God? And so there's this change going on with the boomers' generation. After the boomers are what known, what's known as Gen X. This is from 1966 through to 1980. I imagine we have some of them here too. And the Gen X, someone's a proud Gen Xer. Um, Generation, Generation X were the product of the enormous social change that the boomers brought. So the boomers were the first generation in which uh, the family now had two earners a lot of the times. There was a, a huge influx where the mum left to go to work. And so Gen Xers were what are known as the key lock generation. They had a key around the shoelace to go home and unlock the door for themselves rather than someone being home. And Generation X experienced this radical change in family dynamics. Before the builders, the divorce rate was around 11%. But then by the time you get to Generation X, the number of children that are born or grew up in a family with uh, a, a split in the parents went to 50%. So enormous social change. On top of this, Advertising started in this moment. So Generation X is the first generation that really grew up bombarded and totally immersed in a marketing, in advertisement, which led to a whole lot of uh, rebellion and changes in purpose of life. And so focus became a lot more on achieving and being successful. And then after Generation X becomes the millennials, I'm a millennial, so I'm a little biased when I'm talking about this, but um, millennials are a product of the technology that's coming out now. From 1981 until 1997, millennials come onto the scene, grew up around the time of the 2000s, and what they're experiencing is the birth of technology and rapid change. And so they're digitally versatile, changes their natural language. Because culture is changing so fast that change is normal. And so out of this, they're optimistic and confident, but also the most narcissistic and self-focused generation so far with the selfie generation. We are the selfie generation. And after this... I can take a selfie now. Um, after this is Generation Z. Uh, which is born from 1997 through to now-ish. 2012, but roughly the generation is still in high school now. And what's really interesting is while, while the millennials grew up with technology, the Gen Z of our community are the digital natives. They grew up with a smartphone. They grew up with social media. They grew up with all of these things going on around uh, technological change. 
And what's interesting is, wow, Generation Z statistically is the most connected generation. They're connected to their friends 24-7. They're also the loneliest. For the first time, we have a whole generation that is in an emotional crisis where the generation said 34% of people have depression, 44% experience anxiety, and in a university that was measuring the uh, generation Zs that were coming through, 48% of them were using counselling services at the university. That means that in a university of 40,000 people, that's 20,000 people wanting counselling. Incredible changes. And I don't know what you see when you look at all this. Maybe you're thinking, I came to church, not to like a sociology lecture. But hold on, bear with me, because there's two things that we can respond out of this, if you're anything like me. One is we can go, I'm in church, and church is looking at all of this, and actually, isn't Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Isn't Jesus just the same? And I just need to trust in Jesus, and we just need to keep being faithful, and... I just need to keep pressing on in in the direction we're going. Yes, that's true. However, when you look at the Bible, Isaiah says, God declared, behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'm building streams in the desert and rivers in the wasteland. God was able to stay both consistent and the same in the moment and yet speak relevantly to a situation. Esther, I love that Esther brought up the book of Esther before. And uh, the thing with Esther is there's this awesome line where Esther is told, maybe in this moment, you are stepping into this position for such a time as this. God is the same in this moment. And yet God is also able to, in this moment, raise up a person or a people who are going to speak relevantly to a situation. Or the book of Revelation, the end of the, uh, the Bible where there's these letters to the churches and I love that each church gets a letter specifically to them and it's telling them you're going great in this and you're doing this but here's the words of the Spirit each letter finishes with exactly the same ending here's the words of the Spirit listen to the wind words the Spirit speaking to the churches each church was hearing the voice of the Spirit and yet each message was different Do you get that? God was the same. The message was from the same spirit, and yet the message was different. And so when we look at the generations, God is the same, and yet we need to keep this in mind because the spirit is speaking to each generation in ways that we need to listen to. That's question one. Isn't God just the same and we need to stay the same? Yes, but no. On the other hand, we can look at all this and go, oh my goodness, and just go... There's so much change here. There's so many points along here that we lost people. Maybe you, I'm I'm sure actually, that all of you know people in these generations that somewhere along the line the church lost. They lost them. Um, Maybe there was a, 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 some of the boomers generations that left church, but really Gen X is where people started leaving the church. And by the time we get to millennials and Gen Z, there are generational people that have, the church lost them two generations ago. Maybe you can look at this and go, I'm just going to collapse in overwhelmment because I don't even know what to do with all this. And in that moment, we need to stop and go, no, God speaks into every generation's questions. Look with me for a second. 
do you realize in what we've just talked through, every generation is asking a question? We talked through this. For the builders, they were often asking, and let me just pause and say, maybe you're looking at this and going, that does, that's not really true, Pete. That's fine. You don't have to fit into the box, but these are just the trends that society went through. The builders, as a generalization, were asking, how do I get by? How do I survive? And how do I do what I ought to do? And the gospel looks at that and says, you know what? You can't. Life is going to throw things at you and you're not going to survive it unless you have a security and a foundation and a fortress that is the, the identity that God has given you. Until you realize what God has done for you is unshakable, you won't get through. But if you realize in Christ I am secure, you will get through. No matter what happens. The boomers were asking, how can I be happy? And in the middle of the, the craziness of life, it can be easy to be overwhelmed. But into that moment, God is speaking. You can never satisfy those deepest desires. Maybe in that moment you can have a pleasure or a feeling. But really, at your heart of hearts, what you're longing for is something that only God can give. Do you realize the gospel speaks into that question? Maybe for the Gen Xs, which for the first time are starting to define themselves by their work or their success or their family. And the gospel says those things cannot, cannot bear the weight of your soul's expectation. If you're looking to feel like you're somebody because of your work, if you're looking to feel like you're somebody because of your kids, it will crush them. And it will crush your work. And it will crush your family. You need something as an identity that is so secure, that is so unshakable, that nothing that life throws at you will be able to change it. The gospel speaks into the question the generation is asking. The gospel speaks to the millennials who are asking, how do I make a difference? How do I have a purpose in life? And God says, I am sending you out. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Go and make disciples. Go and change the world with the love and justice and beauty of God. The gospel speaks to their question saying, I'm sending you. Yeah. And then for Generation Z, who are more than any other moment are asking, who am I? Who am I? Does my life have value? Am I worth anything? Oh my goodness, does the gospel speak into that? <laughs> The gospel says there is a father in heaven who moved heaven and earth to be with you, who literally would step into history to say, I love you, that there is nothing in heaven and on earth that can separate me from my love. There is a God in heaven who says, I will die for you. And I did. If that doesn't give you value, I don't know what does. Do you see, the question is not to do with the gospel. The gospel is relevant to every and any question that the generation asks. The question, the problem, is the church. The problem is, are we answering the questions that the generations are asking? Are we speaking into the generations? Now, as I uh, looked through these generations, something that stood out to me is that as we look at each of these situations, we can throw what we have as a church at them. We can go, okay, well, here's a generation that started a group for this group. A youth group, a kids group, a young adults group. 
We can throw discipleship strategies at them. But really, when it comes down to it, we can actually miss the point. I love youth ministry and I love the fact that we are trying to reach generations. But you know what? We're in a moment that these things, there is such a change and a shift and a decline and all of these things that the church is experiencing that what we throw at it isn't enough. In fact, we can look at all this and try and fix it, but really I think God is orchestrating this. I think this is a symphony and we don't need to look at the generational changes and the fact that some have left the church and some have stayed and some are asking different questions to others and be overwhelmed. We need to see that God is writing a symphony. And you know what? In church history, if you look across the history of the church, there are these moments of ups and downs where the Spirit fills the church and it goes out and moments when it, it sort of declines. And it's kind of like breathing. Would you, would you humor me for a second and try and breathe out as long as you can? Put your hand up if you're still breathing out. Put it down when you let go. So a few people going... <laughs> Most of you the moment that you got to the end of yourself, what happened? I think that's what God is doing. I think God is getting us to pour ourselves down these to go. We've tried everything. We've tried pouring into discipleship strategies or small groups or relevant worship or all of these things that we do, but we can't do it. And we've got to a point where we've... Breathe out everything that we have because it's in that moment that we can be filled afresh with the Spirit. No, it's in that moment that we realize it never was our mission anyway. It was never our mission to reach these people. God is doing what God is doing and He is writing a symphony and He needs to get rid of our sense of self-sufficiency so we can get to a point of realizing, God, if you don't move, I have nothing. If you don't bring revival and speak into this generation, I have nothing. And it's in that moment that the Holy Spirit speaks and says the deepest longings of this generation's heart Maybe it's your heart. I don't know where you're coming from this morning. But the deepest longings, the deepest dissatisfactions that you've felt are invitations. The deepest longings that you've spent your life trying to fill and trying to get. Maybe it's the place where you've tried to feel like you're successful or loved or valued or you've made it or you're happy. Those are the moments that God is inviting you to see, I am the only one who will satisfy. I'm the only one who will bring you the love, the success, the identity, the joy that you've been looking for all your life, but never quite reached. I'm the one you've been looking for. And for the church, I'm the one that will be able to transform your community from something that's irrelevant and disconnected and misunderstood and in crisis to actually reaching the church, reaching the community. Now, I know I've taken a bit of time on this, but I want to just finish by saying this. As we get to that point of realising we need to depend on the Spirit, it can seem like there's nothing for us to do. God just needs to do His work. But that's not true. When you look at statistics you find that there is a solution and it's in the church. The church is both the problem and the solution. 
Have a look at this. Studies have found, research has shown that if we take a young person aged 18 to 23 and we match them with just five adults, five Christian adults, and they text them, they text this young person or they just connect with them every other week and they just speak life into them and they just encourage them and have a significant connection with them, the likelihood of that young person dropping out of church drops in half. Maybe you can see in church that when we're talking about generational change, that maybe we've just moved on from the older generations. No! We need you more than any other point in history because you are the key to our young people connecting to faith. You are the key. You are the key. We need your wisdom. We need the, the knowledge that you've gained through facing the issues. And we need you to, to speak into young people's lives. Don't you see? This is the Bible's answer, Titus 2. Paul is writing to Titus and he says, Older people, older men, I need you to be self-disciplined and self-controlled so that you can raise up the young men. I need older women, you, to be uh, self-controlled and, and teaching the younger women so that you can raise up the young women. To the young men, he's saying, I need you to listen to the older men. To the young women, she's saying, I need you to listen to the older women. Do you see? This is the answer. The church is the answer. The answer has been here all along. The thing is, though, that we've become so isolated from each other that we're not speaking into each other's lives. So what would it look like if we had a generation that spoke so powerfully into each other's lives? Older people speaking hope and a future into young people. Generations speaking life into the next generation. If that happened, who knows what would happen. I grew up in a church that was quite large in Canberra. And I, um, as a teenager, heard, I don't know how many, like hundreds of sermons. I listened to lots and lots of sermons that were preached up the front that were full of great content that were biblically sound and explaining the Bible and they were talking how it's relevant to my life. You know what? I can't remember one word they said. I can't. I can't remember one word that those people preached. However, I can remember every word that there was moments that someone spoke into my life and it was an older person. Maybe I was 15, so maybe it was 25. Maybe they were 55. Maybe they were 105. I can remember every word. And the moments, both positive and negative, and the moments that those were Holy Spirit inspired, the moments that they were encouraging me or challenging me or, or directing me through the power of the Holy Spirit, those are the moments that changed my life. What if in this moment we are needing a church that is willing to raise up and start speaking into the next generation and not just every so often but consistently and faithfully and saying, I believe in you and I'm willing to champion you and I'm willing to put aside my preferences and the way I like things because really, let me finish on this, the calling of the church was never to any generation. The calling of the church was to the generations that are coming that aren't even here yet. Let me finish by reading to you from some of the Psalms, which says this. Psalm 71. The psalmist is speaking. He says, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, 
Young people, take notice. Since my youth, God, you have taught me. Are we listening to the voice of God? Since my youth, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Are we declaring what God has done with such passion that God has given you? Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I will declare your marvelous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, older generation, take notice. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, God, until I have declared your power to the next generation. Do you realize how much of a child... He's not saying, don't, don't abandon me. He's saying, don't abandon me until I've done what you've called me to do. My life doesn't even exist for me. It exists to achieve the mission that God has given me. Don't abandon me until I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all that are to come. And in Psalm 102, it says the same thing. Let this be written for a future generation, for a people not yet created. Man, what would it look like if we had a church that didn't do things even for this coming generation? But when, what are we investing into 2050? What are we investing into the generations that aren't even here yet? They're not even born yet. What are we investing into those that we haven't even reached? Because you know what? We're going to be gone soon. But is there going to be a church that will be faithful in investing into those who are to come? I'll finish there, but as we do, my challenge for you is a couple fold. First is, are we caught up in our generation's challenges that we've missed that God has called you? Second, are we so caught up in our culture's challenges that we've missed the fact that the gospel calls you to meet your deepest desires in Jesus? If you haven't found that, would you see how Jesus... The fact of God sending himself in your place to take your place, that replaces anything. It's so better than anything else. But finally, would you see us, church, challenged to go, how do I speak hope and life into a future generation? If you were an older person, would you choose to go speak hope into someone consistently for their whole life? Young person, would you choose to listen? Because I think in that moment we could see revival really come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we realize in this moment that we have nothing unless you move. Lord Jesus, in this moment I realize that I'm so shaped by my culture and my generation and I'm so blind to see what the other generations see and I'm sorry. But Lord, in this moment, I'm also asking, God, would you speak into all of this generation, for this generational moment? Would you bring such a sense of your spirit that us as a church, even though sometimes we feel like we're declining and we breathe out, Lord, would you fill our lungs afresh with the Holy Spirit? Would you fill us afresh with a sense of your calling on our lives? Father, I pray for our older people that they would champion our younger people. I pray for our younger people that they would step out on mission, empowered and honouring the older generation and sent out in our community. But ultimately, Lord, I pray that you would bring revival into our own hearts. Lord, if we have been holding off from actually committing to you, 
We're sorry, and in this moment we commit. Because, Lord, there is no other moment other than this one. We bring ourselves to you, and, Lord, we say we're yours. Because if, if you are who you say you are, there is nothing else worth it. And, Lord, I pray that in this moment you would lead us by your Spirit. Keep us in step with your Spirit so that we won't keep out of step, step with what you're doing, but we would be listening to you. And in step with your Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.